0: Nobody in Nova Scotia or in Canada or in the world has the power to rob me of my personal dignity, whether it's my next door neighbor or whether it's the premier of Nova Scotia. I am not an-
1: Carrie Best is easily one of the most influential black figures of the early 1900s, and yet we never really hear about her racist oh my <laughs> god hi hello what is up and welcome or welcome back to girl you haven't heard the podcast where we discuss true crime and black canadian history from a critical decolonial perspective but above all else without all the unnecessary propaganda that others love to include but we hate to listen to this is black history month edition so let's get into carrie best carrie may best was born on march 4th 1903 in new glasgow nova scotia Carrie had two brothers, their parents' names are James and Georgina, and they had never been given the opportunity to formally receive any sort of quality education due to racial discrimination, and of course this was fresh off the heels of the American enslavement era and the Great Migration, in which a lot of previously enslaved or people who were still enslaved in America made the push to come to Canada for a better life, but they didn't have very many opportunities here to be educated in a formal sense. But despite all of this, they encouraged their children to study black history in Canada and ultimately to be extremely proud of themselves, their heritage, their community, and to be far more educated than they ever were, to go after the things that they never had the opportunity to go after. From a very young age, Carrie would study black history, black scholars, and black poets, and she really looked up to them. Aside from admiring these monumental black figures, Carrie very much looked up to her mother, who exuded a calm strength and just overall dignity. She really admired those qualities and she really wanted to hone them in for herself. Carrie knew that she would not accept the restrictions that were placed upon her as a black woman. She's an icon, she's a legend, and she is the moment. Career choices and educational opportunities were extremely limited for women, but even more so for black women. Carrie at this point considered nursing as a career option because many other black women did, at this point in time no Canadian schools would take black students for nursing so it would require her to leave her hometown, leave her family, and she didn't really want to do this. She really enjoyed educating others, but schools were segregated and she didn't want to participate in that either. The only real opportunity for black women to work at this point in her area was to do domestic work, and she refused to be a housekeeper for anyone i know that's right carrie was an extremely bright child and due to her parents encouragement she found her voice at a very early age she wrote her first poems at age four and she was extremely well spoken and had a natural gift for writing storytelling and just educating others like i mentioned before so she often wrote opinion letters and sent them into local newspaper editors as a teenager. These letters would go on to be published and people would discuss her and her amazing writing skills from a very early age. During this time frame where Carrie was growing up and when she was born, just getting her life started, it was very tumultuous in terms of racial tensions and racial dynamics in Canada, but specifically Nova Scotia and the New Glasgow area. Racial tensions have always been high in this specific area and so this time frame was no different. Carrie continued to advocate on behalf of the black community in any way that she could, but she was determined to do this on quite a large scale and basically any way that she could get her hands on. She really wanted to be that voice that others were not allowed to be. She wanted to create her own space for her to do what she wanted when she wanted and thrive by doing so. She was especially passionate about human rights issues concerning the black community because the black community was continually discriminated against and mistreated by white racist Nova Scotians. Carrie quickly became well known as a civil rights activist where she was unafraid and unwavering in her determination to help as many black people as possible and eventually it would just be to help as many people of color as possible. Carrie met and married railway porter Albert best on june 24th 1925 only a couple years after graduating high school and shortly after that they welcomed a son named james calbert best who just went by calbert and they didn't have any more biological children but they went on to have several foster children as they had the resources the time and the love to pour into these kids who really needed it and so they welcomed burma emily sharon and aubrey marshall into their home Carrie and her son, Calvert, created the Clarion, which was the first black newspaper in Nova Scotia. Black owned, black operated, black printed. Just everything black. (laughs) Like I mentioned before, Carrie was extremely talented as a writer and so she quickly became very successful at it, where she focused heavily on environmental and labor related issues. She also would discuss segregation and discrimination in public spaces such as hotels, theaters, and restaurants. She was absolutely, without a doubt, the most vocal in her support of Viola Desmond, as Viola Desmond pursued her own case against the Roseland Theatre. And we'll take a deep dive into Viola Desmond's case in another episode, but Carrie and the Clarion were arguably Viola's best allies. Carrie used her platform to feature Viola's story, discuss what happened from Viola's perspective directly, and she even asked readers to help contribute to a fund to help Viola cover her court costs. The collaboration between the two and the way that they bravely advocated for Black rights in the face of adversity allowed the rights of Black Canadians to be propelled to the forefront of Canadian minds, whether they really wanted it to or not. In December of 1941, Carrie heard that a bunch of high school-aged Black girls were forcibly removed and assaulted from the Roseland Theatre in New Glasgow after they had sat in the whites-only section.
0: Well, I had been going to the Roseland Theater for years. My son and I would, uh, in those days, that's about the only entertainment that you had. And I would pick him up at school and we would go and
1: I'd sit in that same seat for years. This theater was informally segregated. So basically what this means is that there wasn't any signage. There wasn't anything to indicate that it was segregated, but everybody just knew that it was. This really aggravated Carrie. She knew that this was not right and it was extremely heinous to assault young high school teenage girls. Like, be for real. So she went to bat on behalf of these girls, okay? She argued against the racist policy to the theater owner, Norman Mason. She did this in person and via letter, but he just ignored her. Well, just as I thought, trash carrie decided that it was time to take a trip down to the theater for herself in december of 1941 carrie and her son calvert went down to the roseland theater and they tried to purchase tickets for the main floor of the theater that was the whites only section the cashier ignored them and gave them tickets for the balcony area which was intended for all black patrons they didn't ask to purchase these tickets so they left them on the counter and walked into the auditorium The assistant manager walked up to them and demanded that they leave, but they both refused. The usher just walked in and said to me,
0: you can't sit here anymore, you've got to go upstairs, all the black people have to sit upstairs. And I'm shocked, of course, and of course I refused. So then they called the police. And um, they held the show up for about a half an hour while they went
1: to get the policeman. The police actually dragged Carrie and her son out of their seats. And they literally dragged my son and I out of the theater. They were then charged with disturbing the peace, where they were both later convicted and fined. Because they had been dragged out of the theater and charged, Carrie decided that this was the perfect opportunity to take legal action against the Roseland Theater on the behalf of her and her son, but also everybody else who had faced the discrimination. Carrie went on to file a civil lawsuit against the Roseland Theater and their owners. She claimed damages for assaults and battery, damage to her coat, and breach of contract. Norman, however, and the Rosen Theater said that Carey and Calvert were trespassers who did not purchase tickets. The law detective determined that was a lie. However, the case was officially heard on May 12th, 1942, but unfortunately Carey lost the lawsuit. The judge sided with the racism, which is not at all shocking, but still disappointing nonetheless. He decided that the business's right to exclude anyone from accessing their services was more important than the issue of segregation and racial discrimination, which was still common and very much encouraged at this point. Carrie was then ordered to pay for the legal fees of her own, but also the theater and the theater's manager. The justice system is not for justice, and I'm going to leave it at that. Now, most folks would be somewhat deterred, they would be discouraged after losing this lawsuit, but it didn't deter our girl Carrie, okay? If anything, it motivated her further. Enough
0: not allow my hatred of racism, and I hate it with a vengeance, I would never Let that prevent me from doing anything I could to help anyone. The
1: persistent issues of racism and racial segregation would be addressed whether white Nova Scotians wanted it to or not, and Carrie had built numerous platforms for her to be able to successfully do so. Being a talented writer, she decided that she was just going to use her own platform to sway public opinion more than they could with just their petty discrimination. So in 1946, when the Clarion first opened, They kind of reported on everything that a typical paper would, which is smart because they did this as a way to build up their readership and their support, right? Get everyone hooked. So they talk about sports, they talk about the news, social activities, significant events with all communities, but specifically focused on the black community. And then in 1947, they decided to put a very heavy emphasis on rights for black Canadians. For the next decade, The Clarion would cover extremely important issues and topics that other papers would never fully dive into, and they would also advocate for the rights of Black folks at the same time, which was something that was virtually unheard of. In 1956, the paper was rebranded and renamed as The Negro Citizen and began to circulate nationally, so it was no longer just in Nova Scotia but was all across Canada. The Clarion was revived and republished in 1992. While writing and publishing for her own newspaper, The Clarion, she also went on to write for the Nova Scotia Gleaner, the Halifax Herald, and the Pictou Advocate. In 1968, the Pictou Advocate hired Carrie to write a weekly column which was titled Human Rights, and it ran until about 1975. In this column, she wrote advocating for Black rights, of course, but also for the rights of Indigenous folks, improving living conditions on reserves, and focusing very heavily on what can be done to advance the basic civil rights for all but especially black and indigenous communities this is where her passion really lied so while she was doing all of these things and successfully raising a beautiful family maintaining her amazing marriage she also began to realize that there wasn't a radio program that really spoke to her soul okay they weren't playing anything she wanted to listen to it wasn't focused on education she wanted something that was more calming and soothing but also inspirational very much like how her mother had made her feel so, she solved this problem by creating her own and broadcasting it herself, and it actually debuted in 1952. <laughs> this show was just an embodiment of who she was and everything she stood for, okay? So, it was a blend of classical and gospel music, and then she would also read books on the air that were written by Black authors and Black poets. Of course, like everything else that she did, she was extremely successful. And that's on a period. So, she very quickly built up a very strong listener base and she filled a hole in the market which no one had even realized existed before she came along. This show was called The Quiet Corner and it was on the air for 12 years on five radio stations across Nova Scotia. She both produced and narrated the show. So she did it all. Okay, a queen. If there's one thing that you can continue to bet on that will happen in Canada at this time frame and currently it's discrimination and mistreatment of Black people. So she continued to advocate on behalf of Black people using her growing supporter base. I will not retreat a single
0: inch and I will be
1: heard and she kind of invaded every stream of media so you couldn't escape her you couldn't escape her messaging and I personally love that so around this time black residents of Vale Road in New Glasgow were overtaxed so they would be forced to sell their properties and make way for new expensive developments for white people a process also known as gentrification So Carrie investigated this deeply because she was really passionate about this. She didn't like that her black folks were being pushed out of the community that they'd lived in for generations. And so she went down there and she spoke to those who were most affected by this. She actually went on to publish her findings in the column in the pic 2 Advocate. The things that she wrote about in this specific form and also just talked about in general would later go on to be the basis of the report that she would go on to make to the Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission. In 1975, she became the founder of the Kay Livingstone Visible Minority Women's Society of Nova Scotia, which is an organization that provides educational funding and opportunities for black women. So really important. Also something she was really passionate about because when she was getting her career started, there wasn't anything that she was really supposed to be doing except for quote unquote women's work. What the fuck is that? Like In 1976, at age 74, she wrote and published her own autobiography. I love the fact that she published it herself. That's just chef's kiss and it's called the lonesome road the autobiography of carrie m best
0: i have intelligence i am honest i am honorable and i am as good if not better than anybody that walks the face of this earth
1: on july 24, 2001 at 98 years old carrie best died peacefully in her hometown of new glasgow she passed away in her sleep like a lot of the other episodes that are going to be released this month carrie was actually alive to see majority of her awards being given to her which is very nice i love that she got her flowers before she passed because she definitely deserved it so on december 18th of 1974 the governor general named her a member of the order of canada the honor was given on behalf of the negro community in nova scotia in recognition of her zealous work as a writer and a broadcaster but they didn't really didn't really recognize the role that they played in the work that she did like if they never did these things to black communities then she wouldn't have had to advocate and go so hard for them her entire life you know but okay in 1979 she was promoted to the rank of officer of the order of canada in recognition of her devotion to the underprivileged regardless of race color creed or sex and particularly her own people of the black community so again praising her and uplifting her but refusing to recognize why that needed to be done in the first place which is a true canadian act
0: you make me sick you make me sick i just cannot in
1: 1975 she was given an honorary doctorate of laws from st francis xavier university in nova scotia in 1980 she was inducted to the nova scotia black wall of fame in 1989, she was given the Black Professional Women's Group Award Certificate. In 1990, she was given the Award of Excellence in Race Relations from the Minister of State for Multiculturalism. In 1992, the University of King's College in Halifax awarded her an Honorary Doctorate of Civil Law. And the university also gives out an undergraduate scholarship for Black and Indigenous students in her honor named the Dr. Carrie Best Scholarship. In 1997, she was given the Queen Elizabeth Medal. And in 2001, the year that she died, she was awarded the Order of Nova Scotia. In February of 2011, she was featured on a specialty stamp issued by Canada Post. And on December 17th, 2021, she was featured in a Google Doodle created by Alexis Ike. So now it is time for me to give my thoughts, my feelings, my opinions on this amazing lady. I just want to say, I think it's a real shame that we haven't learned about her before because she really paved the way. Like for me, I really enjoy writing and obviously broadcasting. I feel like podcasts are just a modernization of radio because people don't really listen to the radio like that anymore. I know I ain't crazy. So I really feel like she paved the way for Black women specifically to be able to do this in Canada and do it successfully. And yet Like, yes, she's given all these honors, but we don't learn about her, right? Like, when we talk about breaking through the glass ceiling and overcoming obstacles, like, she shattered that What she did at this time was extremely unheard of, especially in the context of Nova Scotia. Like, if you've listened to any of the other podcast episodes, Black History ones especially, you know that Black History is very much heavily wrapped up in Nova Scotia. Discrimination has very much been an issue. For me, it's interesting because a lot of the awards and things that she had been given from... The government of Canada, they always fail to recognize why people had to do this, right? So it's very hypocritical to me to be like, yes, you did this amazing job and we are so proud of you and we helped this happen. But it's like, so we're not going to talk about the discrimination that you did, that you carried out, all the wrongdoing that she was trying to advocate on behalf of? We're not going to talk about that? No?
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <Pop you> down. <laughs> do you want to fight? Do you want to fight? Okay, then. And I also think when we talk about Viola Desmond and what allowed her struggle, her fight to be so significant, The Clarion and Carrie Best, they're really left out of that discussion when they should be just as included. Because here you have two Black women who are just doing everything they can to overcome these obstacles, working together, having this unified front, which Black women often do. And it's not it's not recognized in the way that it should. That's suspicious. That's weird. I think Carrie Best is really important. She's extremely inspirational. And I love the fact that while advocating for black communities, she also went out of her way to advocate on behalf of the indigenous communities that she was surrounded by as well. Like that intersectionality and recognizing that like this is important. Like, yes, black people deserve rights, but also like let's not forget about our indigenous brothers and sisters. And it's not something she had to do, it's something she did anyways. And I rock with her heavily for that. Which I'm rocking with Mark because Mark is rocking with us. Also, I just sidebar, I love the fact that, not even really a sidebar because it's my thoughts and opinions, but I love the fact that her and her family, that her and her husband went on to foster children. Um, I think that the foster system is just terrible, but the fact that they saw a priority to really help in every single way that they could. Her advocacy had a very far reach and it's very clear that she was about walking in what she was preaching right she wasn't just going to tell people to do it she was just going to live her life as that not because she felt like she had anything to prove but it's just who she was at her core i'm very glad that she got all of her flowers and that she lived to almost be a hundred which is crazy and that she got the recognition and the praise that she deserved but i just think it's unfortunate that a lot of the things that she was advocating against are still going on to this day
0: that is my prayer it may be my loss that i'll ever make in public but i will die fighting injustice And I ask you to join forces with us, with the power that you have, and bring this awful system of racism in Nova Scotia to an end, that we will no longer tolerate this injustice, that we are human beings, that we have fought for this country, we have built it, we have made our contribution. And we will be treated as citizens.
1: Yes, this has been the episode about Carrie Best, our girl. We love her. The pioneer, okay, in the writing and the podcasting or radio space for Black women. So I thank you so much for listening. And I will see you tomorrow with the next episode.